Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. I am Drew Vanderplug, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. We are, um, I don't know, despondent. Um, less than, I mean, less than in ideal moods after um, watching Sporting score zero goals against the USL team and for 120 minutes. Yeah, and then losing penalties. Yeah, and you know, um, try going to bed at midnight when you gotta get up and go to work after you watch that. It's just, oh, it's uh, it's it's like it's, adding insult to injury, man. It just makes it even more terrible. Um, so yeah, it is a less than ideal situation for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we're gonna spend a whole lot of time, um, you know, breaking down the different parts of, of that game or the LAFC game. I, I the, And the main reason I we're not going to do that is because it's so many of the same things that we've been talking about for months. Um, it, we have been talking about the um, inability of the central back pairing to defend effectively. We've been talking about the inability of the attack to create meaningful goal-scoring chances. And say whatever you want about that Sacramento match and getting 31 shots, they still only created 1.3 xG out of 31 shots. Yeah, that should tell you only only eight of only eight of those shots were on goal. I mean, it, was it even eight? I thought it was I, even less than I that. I mean, I thought it was eight. Uh, I, I think it might have been even less than that. It was not that many. No, it's, and it was and, bad. <laughs> and, and 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 half of the ones on goal were like dribblers. The guy just picked up. Yeah, they weren't like. And so we talk so much about, you know, and and, uh, we, and the we, thing is, you, you know, shots on goal are, are good, but shots on the goalie aren't. And so right. that's the shots were like right to the goalkeeper um, a lot of the times. And it's just, you know, I mean, he played it. He had a very, very good game, but uh, we also did our best to make him look uh, like a rock star. So. Which is an which is another ongoing <laughs> issue, right? Like sporting yeah, has made is. goalies look good all year. Yeah. I, I, I um, so again, without like belaboring these points, we we've come across them so many times, and we're we've discussed them so many times that you know it's like Groundhog Day. I'm not going to keep doing the same thing every week. I mean, we know what this team is at this point. Um, we're aware of it. It's it's a little rough to not have even hit August yet. The season's over. Yeah. I mean, it's legitimately over. I, you know, somebody said, well, if they win nine of their next eleven games, they might make the playoffs. I'm like, okay, well. What about this team makes you think they can rattle off that kind of run? Yeah, there, there's literally nothing about it that makes you believe that that's possible. Nothing about the underlying numbers make you believe that's possible. Nothing about how they're playing when you watch them makes you believe that's possible. The, the season's over. Yep. Um, maybe we don't win the wooden spoon, but as far as playoffs, as far as any type of you know success, season's over. Um, which is a rough, a rough way to look at this, and and I understand, you know, it's kind of a, it, it's it's dour to use Cody's favorite word. It's grim. <laughs> it's just like there's not a whole lot, there's not a whole lot of positivity to take from this, and I'm I'm kind of left thinking about what's next, right? Like how do you how do you go from this, and look at what is there now, what you see, what the team is, who who potentially could be leaving. And how how do we progress 
from here? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the the uh, the funny thing about um, looking at it after these two games is these two games, I think, are really, um, they're really good sort of microcosms of the season and all, and good indications of, of everything that's wrong. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think very many people expected um, uh SKC to be that competitive uh, against LAFC, and you know I, I thought you know and 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 uh, I'm not the only one, but I, I, I thought they played pretty well. You know, I mean, you know they they were pretty strong in the first 30 minutes, and uh, and they looked good, um, and they looked like they you know they were able to you know, exert some control over the game, um, but but at the end you know of that game, you know there the, there was. There was the talent discrepancy was 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 too large. Much depth. I mean, it was LAFC's yeah, depth yeah. is so so obviously yeah. much better than Sporting's is. Um, and the other thing is, is this, this is an ongoing thing. The first thirty minutes is good, then we hit the water break, yeah. and everything changes. Like this is this is a this is a not uncommon theme, right? Where we've seen Sporting come out well. They did the same thing against Minnesota, and then after halftime, there was no water break. But after halftime, Minnesota made changes, and all of a sudden, we're able to deal with what Sporting were doing. So it's one of those things where I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I actually have to give the coach a little bit of credit for coming up with something at the beginning of games to try and give his team a chance. Yeah. They're, they're obviously doing something with their philosophy until those breaks happen where it is allowing Sporting to create some semblance of a chance. But the problem r- r- lies in the fact that those chances are never significant. So when you talk about, um, I hear so, so much, and we heard it again last night, they didn't capitalize on their chances. Well, still, even last night, the vast majority of their shots were not on goal, were from long distance, were not significantly like, they weren't like tap-in kind of things. There was just, they were low, low XG chances. To take 31 shots and have 1.3 XG is a pretty, like, damning statistics statistic in my mind about what your chance creation is well and we spent a lot of time it's one thing it's one thing to be taking a lot of shots and and uh simultaneously crashing the goal you know hoping you know create trying to create chaos and and hoping for uh the goalie to spill something but that's really that's not what's happening you know they're just they're just you know shots in the dark basically they're just hopeful uh hopeful shots that um that in the end don't don't you know generally um fluster keepers and um and there's nobody else in the box to to handle any um any rebounds anyway so uh that makes it that makes it doubly frustrating it was um yeah it's just a like you said earlier it's a microcosm of the season uh, both of these matches, um, both the, you know, looking good for half an hour. And then as soon as the team is allowed to adjust to whatever change you made, um, which in this case was really Eric Tommy against LAFC and against uh, Sacramento. They didn't uh, Sacramento. They, they actually ran the game plan. They wanted really well. Uh, they they, they looked, they looked awesome. They looked like they were going to just like, you know, crush. Um, um. <laughs> Sacramento. Whoever we played, yeah, sorry. Uh, they looked like they were just going to crush Sacramento. Um, and, um, you know, Kyrie Shelton looked really good, and, you know, he was getting into dangerous spots. Um, and then, I mean, it, then it just, it, you know, after after we failed to score a few times, um, uh, it just started drying up, and, and, and uh, you know, Sacramento became more and more comfortable in the, in the game. And, um, you know, um, they... 
you know, they, they stopped making the mistakes uh, that were that were leading to, you know, the chances that the, the, the higher quality chances, I think, that we, we could have scored. And, you know, and then, you know, the other thing is, I mean, the players just didn't do their jobs. I mean, you know. Johnny Russell had had you know a couple of shots that that on most nights uh, he scores and you know I think most people would... he hit two he hit two of them yeah. straight at the keeper yeah I mean and there wasn't even much pace yep. on him yeah and so and and he'll he'll be the first person to admit that they weren't you know his ideal version mm-hmm. and he he you know that he's self critical and he'll say when he's when he's messed something up but. The, the issue is, is that like, as we've talked about, again, it's Groundhog Day. We've been yeah. talking about this for months. When you have to be perfect in order to score yeah. goals, sometimes you're not going to be perfect and you're going to have a rough night and you, you need to create the massive, easy chances and get those to go your way in order to score goals. And then, you know, be really locked in defensively to make sure the other team doesn't score goals. And, you know... Sacramento did not score last night, but it wasn't because <laughs> our defensive play was fantastic. It was because they're a USL team that has struggled that uh, that struggles just as badly as Sporting to finish as well. Right? Our, our like center they're, backs, they're, our center backs had nervy moments against uh, against that a USL team, team. and um, you know, uh, and Pulskamp had to make you know uh, a couple of good saves himself, and you know that that's just not. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it just, as we said, it's a, it's a microcosm of the season. It underlines all of the problems that were there, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that, um, um, you know, f- with the LAFC game, it was, it, it, it was apparent immediately, like what an upgrade Eric Tommy uh, was and, um <laughs> you know, and we're not really sure that's a good thing. Yeah, no, right? no, like, that it, was the problem. Like, to me, it was a huge red flag. It was like, well, so, 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 let me back up a little bit. I mean, it wasn't really a red flag because, because I think that you and I um, have have recognized that um, that that's the problem, and our solution um, that the midfielders were part of the problem, right? But our solution is to change fundamentally the way the team plays and to sort of you know rely more on transition and to uh, and and less on passing and possession and, and dribbling, and, and right, dribbling, you know, carrying the ball yep. versus passing. And the ball. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think you know. Uh, myself especially, I've been beating that drum like hard all season long because it's it's been apparent that we just don't have um, we just don't have the the skill players to um, to really successfully implement the possession style that that uh, Peter Vermes uh, I think wants to implement. But then you know when you, when you plug in somebody like Tommy, it becomes apparent right away that that that's the kind of player, right? That player is is much more similar to Gadi Kinda than uh, than he is to Duke or uh, Hernandez, and you could tell the difference right away. I mean, um, you know, it's been a long time since Eric Tommy has played like you know really significant minutes in the Bundesliga. Uh, um, but if you look back at his his time there and in, and in La Liga, I mean, he is a much more creative um, uh, passer than either Duke or Hernandez. But I don't even think about the passing. So the the two things I noticed right away watching that that watching that LAFC game were this guy is coming out of preseason, like he hasn't even been training with mm-hmm. his club, and has barely played the last year and a half for them. He's coming, he's in off-season, coming to us immediately after being with the club for three days, starts a match and plays a full half and actually plays 60 minutes, according to Vermees. He was only supposed to play 45, but 
he was so impactful that he tr- he stretched him, which I have other issues with. <laughs> but the the he was so obviously the best midfielder on the team. Yeah. And and it was and it and and Vermees talked about it after the after the game when people were like, "Hey, Tommy looks really good. Like he's a good player." He's like he was doing this and he was he was giving instructions to his younger teammates about where to be. Mm-hmm. He's been with the team for three days. Yeah. And he's giving them instructions. And it just tells you so much. He's like, and Vermees was like, he's a soccer player. He knows how to play soccer. He's like, those are things that good soccer players do. And and he was almost some shade at the rest of the guys because he can just show up and in three days be that impactful. And I agree with him. The, the, the big thing I noticed with Tommy, it's the first time we've had a midfielder get between the lines in uh, maybe all season. Right? Like, he was consistently getting behind LAFC's midfield line in, in, you know, in front of the defensive line. Yeah. Over and over. We watched for half an hour him just get on the ball in complete space by himself and then be able to drive at the defensive back line. Going back to the conversation we've had multiple times about AVPs. What are AVPs? It is your, your, you have possession of the ball looking at your opponent's back line. He did it like three or four times in the first 15 minutes. Well, and, and, and one of the things that he does when he drives forward that's different from, uh, you know, what Hernandez and Duke do. So, so when H- Hernandez and Duke receive the ball in the midfield, they they turn and they, you know, the, their first instinct is to is to you know go straight to goal. They're very direct uh, players, and you know I don't think that that's you know in and of itself necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and Tommy, uh, you know, he he is not as direct a player. Um, he, uh, it's obvious that he is, you know, he's got a little bit more sort of, you know, creativity in his movement and his dribbling, and he's moving, you know, horizontally, not just putting his head down and 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 driving forward. No, his head's up the whole right. time while he's yeah. dribbling. He's looking for the next player yeah. and where their run yeah. is. In fact, you could see him like beckoning to guys mm-hmm. to make runs into certain places. It's, it's sophistication, really, is what it is, and and yep. um, and you know, he he proved that he, I think, already in. In, in the first two games, he proved that he's he's a much more sophisticated player than either of the midfielders that uh, that um, you know are sharing that spot. And it, it's okay. I mean, you know, the they're still young kids, right? And you know, and and Duke is a uh, you know he's he, Felipe is twenty four. Right. Like we're getting so, we're getting so, beyond and, and, the point. But but Felipe is is further along than Duke. I think we can agree sure. on that. And uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And and Duke is also you know Duke is also American, and uh, you know it's. You know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the sort of athletic, you know, head down, direct, you know, straight down the field vertical Wh- Which players. is why I've texted you and I was like, I think Duke's better uh, uh, to, to be developed as a wide player yeah. than maybe he is as a midfielder. Yeah. Because in that circumstance, he can be direct and he can be, you know, do all those things. Felipe is a much more consistent player mm-hmm. than Duke. I would agree with that. But the quality between him and Eric Tommy is significant. Yeah. It's a chasm. Like you, it's significant. You can really tell that that you know. Here, so so one of the things that I've been trying to do the last uh, <laughs> the last couple days is is uh, is sort of uh, try and reimagine you know a response to um, the season that 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 really assumes. Uh, the, uh, sort of best intentions and is, you know, a favorable, you know, reading of what's transpired. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think, you know, it's it's easy to imagine that, that at the beginning of the season, you know, without 
Polito and especially Kinda being injured, um, it's easy to imagine that that really what what you're doing is you know you have Gotti Kinda who's who's playing that role, uh, which is much more along the lines of what Peter wants. You have Roger um, um, uh, playing the other eight, and then and then gradually sort of you know phasing in um, uh, Felipe Hernandez if if that's you know if that's what. Um, if, if if he seems to be coming along now, obviously, yeah. I mean that th- that plan, you know, if that was the plan, I suspect that it was, but obviously that plan got tanked uh, with with um, with Gattikinda going down injured, and I think that one of you know the the, the thing about those injuries uh, is that is that they both. Um, we knew Polito was injured, but we didn't know that he was going to miss the season uh, until you know, like like preseason basically and you know i think it really put i really think it put the 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 front office and in the coaching staff in a bind i mean what were they going to do i think you know i suspect that they had already um that they had already you know been looking at uh chonis and uh Voliter and um uh, and denbe um i think that that they were already bringing those players in maybe more as depth and development pieces um and and that the the Voinovich signing was you know l- was literally a, a desperation sign yeah. yeah it was um, a knee-jerk sign um and and you know i mean Unfortunately, he got injured, and so he couldn't, you know, he couldn't even perform a, a, a backup role. Um, but I, I mean, you know, so if, if we want, if we want to read the situation, I think more generously towards the club, you know, I think that uh, it's easy to kind of imagine how, you know, if the, if 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 a few things are different, um, you know, we don't have Felipe and um, and Duke, um, starting regularly, uh, because, you know, I mean, especially Duke, I think it's obvious that he's probably not, a, a starting caliber player, um, at least in this system. Um, and at this point, so. He could be, yeah, he could be like an Obed Vargas or somebody like that who plays and starts games when necessary, but otherwise is a, is a sub player. Um, if you want to do something different with your setup and sort of create some, create some verticality to use the Greg Burhalter phrase. If you want to do those kind of things, he could be, he could fit that. And you could see it at the end of the Sacramento game, how positive Felipe Hernandez was going yeah. against a tired team. Yeah. When he can drive and be active towards a tired team, there's value mm-hmm. in him at that point where he doesn't have to be as crisp because he's not going against the starters with their full mm-hmm. stamina as well. Um, so there, there's definitely some, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. There's a number of dominoes that fell yeah. that, that took us to this place. But the reality of the situation is some of those dominoes are firmly in the hands of Brian Bliss and Peter Vermees as well. Yeah. So, like, well, so, so that's my default is to look at it like that. And so I was trying to, I was trying to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. But, but it, I am in agreement oh, with you on the, 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 the plan was totally fucked from January. Yeah. Like, I'm with you on that. Like, I get it. Like, I, I, and you, there's, there's this, there's this, like, situation that's going on with the club that is re- realistically, like, reasonable, where you look at the fact that the club started in this offseason, and I'm sure they've been scouting these guys for a while, as you noted, but started in this offseason bringing in a younger core to start to change over from where they were at, right? You need to, we need to, we have an older, you know, Peter's guys, 
quote unquote, are older guys that do need to be phased out over time. We can see that they don't have it for regular games. In fact, they're probably 10 game a season guys at best at this point. And so we need to start to, you know, rotate in youth and, and make some changes to the, to the, to the makeup of the team. And that would have been a much easier thing to do had they not had these injuries that they did at the beginning of the season. I will totally agree with you on that part of it. Um, What we have said over and over and over again that we're frustrated by is once the injuries happened, there was no change in philosophy of how to utilize those players. Right? There there was no backup plan. There was just, we're going to keep running out the same shit we always do, and these guys are going to figure it out or not. Yeah, and the, and, and the answer was and, not. And, 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 if, and if they don't, I'm going to motherfuck them in a press conference, right? right. Like, I, I, that's the thing about it. I just don't, I just don't, I don't, and we've talked about this too much, so I'm not yeah. going to spend any more time on it than that. But that is what happens this year. That's what's happened this year. And that's where it comes from, this whole philosophy of, like, is... So let's let's talk about it because there's obviously the Reddit threads, the Cauldron Facebook threads, all of the different things out there. Our good friend Matt Demline apparently had nothing better to do after going to bed at like two a.m. his time to get up at seven a.m. and start <laughs> arguing with redditors. But I, I, the fire fire pretty Vermees discussion, obviously, the pitchforks came out hard after this one, and and I understand why it happens. Right, this is a vocal minority of people who you know they're understanding of what's going on and the nuances of what they're attempting to accomplish or what they want to accomplish or whatever they're saying and throwing out there are completely lost on them. They're not thinking of long-term or any of that kind of stuff. They're just like, if other coaches did this, they'd get fired. Okay, well, fine. That's whatever. Um, (laughs) But the, the, the pitchforks came out and reasonably, right? Season's over in MLS. Our last bastion of hope got crushed against the USL team. This is pretty dire, right? As far as where the team sits right now. I don't know how well they're going to play the next, the rest of this season. They've got, what, 11 games left? Yeah. I mean, I have no idea how they're going to play and how they're going to get motivated to play. So we'll have to see how that goes. But um, I understand, you know, why that argument starts to really fire up after the end of that game. But... You and I both know he ain't getting fired. It ain't happening. We've read the we read the article by Sam McDowell where he talked to Cliff Illig. Cliff Illig is like, it, and it wasn't even like the oh no, I totally support my coach kind of like <laughs> nonsense you normally hear in these circumstances. Like uh-huh. when somebody when somebody's on the hot seat, no, no, I really support my coach. Uh-huh. No, Cliff Illig was like, I don't pay attention to any of that shit. Yep. I don't care. Right. Like, I know what his plan is. We've talked about it. I'm on board. Like for him, to, it, it was so dismissive of the of the conversation that we, like we know that, that he's not going anywhere. And I'm not suggesting that he should. Well, the, the only I don't thing, think, the I don't only think thing, anything about this, I don't think I don't think firing him does any good. Let me put it that way. The only thing that that might um, change things is uh, is a massive dip in uh, season ticket renewals. Um, so that's happening right now, and I don't, I don't, I don't expect that to happen. But you know, I mean, um, 
you know, that's just, that's just one of those things. You know, a serious decrease in revenue is one of those things that could really um, uh, get people's attention. Um, I mean, I mean, do you think? But here's let me ask you this: like, I mean, and I understand that in in game like revenue is the majority of the revenue driving for sporting or for any MLS team, right? In-game revenue is where they get all of it. They don't get it from TV that much. They don't get it from sponsorships as much. It's in-game revenue is where it comes from, right? So tickets, concessions, all those kinds of things. Two things I would say about this. One, it's almost as hard to get a ticket for Austin FC this weekend as it was last weekend for LA, okay? So... We're not really seeing the downturn yeah. of it so far, that's, and that's that's right? great. I mean, I, I I've said it before. I'm so impressed by Kansas City's fans this this summer. They've they've just yeah, really and done a they, great job. They're and and honestly, there's a um, brand related to Sporting KC, which is when you go with your family in the summer to see them. Yeah. It is a good time. It is a great environment. Mm-hmm. It is something that you can bring you can bring your family to. You can bring your friends to, and you can show them what soccer is, and they will enjoy it. Yep. Even if we suck, the environment's going to be good, yeah. right? And you're going to see why we love it so much, right? Like you and I, yep. why we are so invested in it. Um, so I don't know. I, and that's I think that's probably why Cliff Illig is sitting here going, not after one season, yeah. no way. Because I don't think the fans are going anywhere after one season. I don't, I don't think Maybe so some will. There will be some, right? But there are some every season. Right. Yep. Um, and I, well, so, so and, I, yeah, yes, there are some every season. It would take it would take several it would take several years of this yeah. for it to become the Royals. Like I went to a Royals game yesterday at a work event at uh, at the Royals game, and and let me tell you something. At one p.m. <laughs> on a Wednesday, <laughs> there were less there there were there Oof. were many many less fans at the K than there were at the LAFC match on Saturday. I, I mean. I would say an order of magnitude less, at least half as many, if not, you know, a third or a quarter as many. Yeah. Like there was nobody there, right? And for obvious reasons, right? And there are some parallels, some parallels between Dayton Moore and, and Peter Vermees and some of the obstinance and how they do things. Um, but I would say that the the reality of the situation is, is that sporting's not struggling right now to sell. Like the club is not struggling commercially. They're doing fine. Yep. So, um, to your point, until that becomes a problem, yeah, yeah that you're right. The business is all of a sudden yeah. going to be what drives this, right? Yeah. And, and so far, I don't see it happening. No, I don't um, see it either. No, I, I will say, like, like from my personal view, um, I think that uh, it probably would not be the absolute worst idea to to move on at this point, um, just because um, you know. Uh, he he is by far the longest tenured uh, coach in the league, and uh, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in professional soccer, like Ooh. across the across the world. Can I, and, can I ask one question related to that though? Because hmm. so much of what he does is ingrained into this plan, yeah, right? Yeah. So everything related to how this team is set up right now is a multi-year plan that he has in place. Yeah. And he does think several steps ahead yep. when he does it, right? Yep. He's he's meticulous, absolutely. Is it is it is ripping the bandaid off the right thing to do right now, right as they're in the middle of this transition that is part of his plan? Well, I mean, so the 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 problem is is the the plan um, the plan met a wall, right? I mean, uh, the plan fell apart, and it you know at least for one season on multiple fronts, um, and you know, I mean, it, it's just 
to, at some at some point, it's just not sustainable to have the same coach for 15, 20 years, right? And so, so like like what is the you know what's the plan moving forward? And I think that you know one of, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love the guy, really. I do. I think he's. I think he's. Uh, he's great, and he's been great for the city. But like the 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 some of the like stubborn, obstinate things that he just does time and time again, you know, really kind of you know, illuminate the fact that that you know maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something different that we well, that we could do. Well, and that was what I was. I put this in the rundown. I was like, "Is his message becoming stale?" Yeah. Every right? every coach's message becomes stale. It does. Well, and I mean, we've heard it. I mean, we've heard some of the sort of like the guys who've been ethered. I mean, sent away. Like I told you, the whole Johan Quaze thing, where he sort of made comments <laughs> about, "Oh, this guy, this guy, this is uh-huh. like you, you know, he's so dictatorial, and like you do it this way, or he treats you like children." Man, blah, I, blah, I blah, thought blah, right? after last night, I thought Ben Sweat was done. Man, I, I was surprised he came out at half. Uh, well, <laughs> the, the thing that's crazy about okay, so we'll get into this when we talk about the roster rebuild options. Ben Sweat's under contract through next season. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I well, mean, Jose Mari was under contract too, but that didn't uh, that didn't stop well, him from Ben Sweat's. Ben Sweat's a backup left back making two hundred grand, yeah, so I think he's probably going to be around. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's different than Jose yep. Mauri. Yep. But um, I I don't I, I, the 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 obstinance, like I said, used to be cute. It used to be kind of funny. <laughs> it's you cute when you're winning, man. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. But that's my point. Is like you got to learn to 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 like um, adapt, yeah. right? Read the room. Yeah, like that's the thing about Peter that I've always struggled with. Is like reading the room is not his thing. No, no he digs his fucking heels in and says, "No, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You fuck you. I know what I'm doing." Or what is it? Or the the what was it? The against the Whitecaps? Fuck off! Yeah, right. The three different ways of saying fuck off, like that is what he. That's who he is yeah. as a person, and that's Jersey, and that's him, and that's but the kind of hard. That's that's why he, he gets along so well with Johnny Russell. You know, they're like the same type of personality. But you can't put eleven Johnny Russells on a team. I know, <laughs> right? And he had that for a little bit, right? When when if you look at twenty twelve to twenty fifteen, yeah. the club was, and even twenty eleven, the club was very much these hard nosed, do anything, will work for the team kind of guys. Yeah. And then he sort of shifted focus into this sort of you know Ajax Barcelona sort of like possession based, you know, beat people to death with passing. So so I do want I, I want to give him credit because I do think that um I do think that he moved away from, you know, the 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 constant sort of kamikaze press um that that was happening early on in his tenure. Uh, um in large part because, you know, you you can't sustain that in especially in MLS um and especially because it's a summer league, you know, and and you know, you saw you know, you saw Red Bulls uh, last night. You know, fade in the second half of their game because you know it's 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 so demanding to play uh, with like your hair is on fire all the time and, in Orlando, it, right? In July. You know, and and or 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 in Kansas City in July. You know, and I just think you know, and and the other thing is that you know the other thing about that is that I mean that style um, and and frankly a lot of 
sporting's style and success uh, for the last 10 years have been very dependent on the two players who are still on the team, Espinosa and Zussi, you know, Espinosa especially. And, um, you know, Espinosa, you know, vintage Espinosa is is the reason, you know, Ilya was able to be successful as a defensive midfielder in the system. Look at Jose Cifuentes at exactly. LAFC. Exactly. You've got the exactly, He's you've buzzing, got, not man. exactly, but a very similar yep. player, yep. right? And so, but that's what, I, but that that was what I was trying to say is like not necessarily that his the adaptation was good. I don't have a problem with the adaptation. I have a problem with this sort of drill sergeant sort of philosophy towards how you play soccer, yeah. working with that profile of player, yeah. Yeah. right? It works as long as everything is perfect, as long as you're not missing a single piece of the puzzle. As soon as you, it's like a Jenga tower, man. As soon as you pull out that one piece, the whole tower falls down. Yeah. And that is the problem that we keep talking about is that, is that, and then, and then he, again, he goes and trashes people in press conferences as opposed to like dealing with the problem, which is you have set up a system with a, t- with a style and a type of player that is not the run every day, do it for the team, you know, crush it kind of, these aren't, these aren't the players you signed. They're not the players on the roster. Like, this center back pairing, man, there is literally nothing about these guys that is a pressing defender, that is a good 1v1 defender, that is a defender in space. They're passers who make, um, they make, what's the best way of describing this? They're very good at, they, they can read the game well and step into lanes at the right time as long as their brain doesn't make checks their body can't cash, yeah. which happens often yeah. with both of them. Yeah, it does. Happen- it happened last night. <laughs> yes, it happened. Like, Fontas and EC both got caught out. Yeah. EC made a you see, You see the good ones, right? You see it when they do step up and they, and they shut it down early because the line's so high, they have to. Otherwise, we're in deep shit. But that's the thing is, like, you do not have the defenders that are consistently good in those circumstances yet you're playing them in a high line and asking them to do that and i do believe that both ec and fantas have very good soccer minds like they see the game well i can see them react to situations their bodies aren't capable of moving at the pace of their brains yep i mean it it happens over and over again and and this is what and like you said the I think in the last podcast the one before it's like you you are building a team in FIFA or in uh, Football Manager where like all you care about is their passing right and like athleticism um, <laughs> jumping um, you know tackling <laughs> all those you don't really give a shit about those numbers you're yeah. just looking for passing and then you put them in a position to run a high line. Uh, a high line of confrontation with a counter press. Yeah. I, th- those, those two things are not congruent, right? They don't go together. And that's the part of it. Like it would be fine. If sporting had 67% of possession of every game, we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. But so they I can't mean, maintain that they, they had, with the, they had 60% last night and they couldn't do squat with it, you know? And, and I yeah. think that, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that the 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 style that um, that is the ideal that 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 Vermes is chasing is is, I mean, it's so de- dependent on on 
the parts fitting together perfectly as we've talked about. I mean, and every team is to some extent, but I mean, you know, you, if you pair, you know, if you paired up uh, Fontas with like vintage Ike Opara, it's a different thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, because, oh. because Ike, because Ike erased mistakes constantly, whether they were his mistakes or Beasler's mistakes or Ilya's mistakes. Um, and also, also Ike is great in the air, right? Like you, you right. he's a great aerial threat, both, defensively and offensively but, but that player is not on the team right now uh especially well, since he's suspended uh, right he's suspended. <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say especially since uh ford is, is suspended um and so um so 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 it's it's a matter of finding uh the right pieces and then fitting them together um in in a way that uh allows them to be successful and that's you know it's just it's been a struggle this year for yeah, so I mean that that's where we get that's where I think you and I both land on this whole fire PV conversation, right? Which is I don't know that if he should I, I I'm not suggesting that he should be fired. I don't believe based on results over the last five years that he deserves to be fired personally. What I do believe is that um I have some problems with his attitude towards the whole situation this year and what I don't see as an acceptance of responsibility for his part in it. And yeah. his um, willingness to try to adapt to make the team play better. I, I feel like he's like, well, this he he seems to view the situation as this is a consequence of injuries, and this is the way it is, and I'm going to just sort of gut through this because when my guys are back, it'll be fine. Yeah, and so that, so, that seems what it feels like to me. And again, if we're gonna if we're gonna read the situation generously, um, if somebody made the. Uh, uh, comment on Twitter um, a couple of days ago that that the team was you know really just a few players away, um, and I, I don't like I don't know if I really believe that, but I can see I can see how uh, one would think that you know when you put in when you put in uh, Tommy and you notice that big of a change, um, I think that you know yes uh, a, a, a few more players is good. And, well, but did thing- Tommy but did Tommy make <laughs> uh, make sporting that much more effective? I mean, it was obvious that he was much better than anyone that had played that position. But did he actually make the team that much more effective? So so it's the difference between a starting quality player and a substitute quality player. Um, And just because he's a starting quality player does not mean he is one of the best players on the team. And in fact, you know, um, a couple of years ago, I made a comment that, um, you know, that if, if Johnny Russell is your best player, you're in trouble, right? Like if you're, if he's your third best player, okay, well we can, you know, that's something we can manage. Uh, and this year he's had to be by, he's by far been the best player and he's had to, um, he's had to really carry the team. And, and I mean, you can see that he is a gr- he's a great dude, man, and a great player. I have so much respect for him, but he's not that guy. I mean, that the, he doesn't have any help around him and, um, you know, he, he, uh, he's just not, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, he he's can't winger, do it himself. Man. Right. Exactly. He's a wing. You can't, you can't control a game by yourself from the wing position. That's not how that works. I'm looking forward to the day we put Russell on the wall because he's earned it this year. I, I, we've talked about this several times. Like I wasn't sure up until this season and what I've seen this season, he, he absolutely, has cemented his status as getting his name on the wall as a sporting legend someday. And I'm a little bit concerned given his age that we've wasted the last good year we have of him. And he's, he's drive and Peter and himself, cause Johnny doesn't know how to shut it off. 
Peter's got to Peter's got to take control to shut him off because he's not going to shut off when he's on the field and you're driving him into the ground in a season that doesn't matter. Yeah, I I I, I worry about that a lot and and so 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 in <laughs> a lot of times I think about it and I'm like, you know, if we lose if we lose Shallowy, um I mean we're essentially having to we're, we're we're essentially having to shop for for two starting quality wingers um, because you can't you uh, you know <laughs> you can't rely on Johnny Russell another year older with all of the mileage that he's put on his body this year um, you you can't rely on him to play at a, at a high level every single game you have to give the man you know a break you have to give him some cover and and even if you consider if with Gotti Kinderback and you've got Voltaire and you've got uh Tommy and you've got Polito, um, Hernandez, and you know Polito. But I'm thinking about the midfield. Oh, if you right, fill up okay. the midfield with guys that are coming back, you're trying to find a place for Cam Duke, and you think he's a wide player, and maybe he can play right wing. There is a chasm of quality between yeah. him and Johnny Russell. He's he's right? only yeah he's only he's only a substitute player. You you don't have enough starting quality players on the team already, and you're looking at, at possibly losing two of them. And so, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like well, you know that. So 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 you know that's what makes me um, that's what makes me pessimistic uh, about the team. Um, and I, we uh, we had a big conversation about optimism and pessimism, and and you know how that plays into every game. And you know I in general like every time we take the the field, I am optimistic to some degree. You know, um, uh, you know, but but just with the way the season's gone, it's really hard. Uh, it's really hard for me to be optimistic when I when I sort of try to imagine what next year looks like. Um, and it's really easy to imagine the bad, the worst case scenario for next year. Um, and and. Yeah. and I, I'm not sure that I'm. I think of the the next year as the worst case scenario. I just think it's the last hurrah of now, this. So so setup. so what I so what I mean is like it, it's it's a fine line again, right? Of of you know building the house of cards and everything has to go right. And you know if it, it's uh, it's easy to imagine that that those things don't happen, that those dominoes don't fall, and right. uh, and and if they don't, we're stuck in the same situation again. Um, mm-hmm. Because because yeah, it, because I, it's not like you know we're we're not we're, you know we're not like Dallas or, or Philadelphia where we've got like young players who are bringing up and and you know there's a, there's there's a whole crop of, ready to come in and replace we're not going to do that we're not going to change the coach we're not going to change the style with the really the only thing that we can do the only thing that we as fans can expect is 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 personnel changes that's it I mean that's and and if we don't if we don't sign people in windows. Um, that um, that are starting caliber that are going to help the team, then it's going to continue to be you know like it is now. Yeah, I I think that that that's fair, and I think that um, you know we have discussed at many different you know levels the the, the concern with how the roster is constructed. Um, we'll get into what we can do and what's available to this team. Um, we poo pooed a little bit last week. Peter's, you know, sort of replaced this guy with a better guy in that position philosophy. And then we saw, saw Eric Tommy get on the field and we realized how big the gap was. I think we've been watching this team for so many months 
that we see certain things go well and we believe that this is actually a caliber of player that is okay. And then you see someone like Eric Tommy get on the field and you realize, no, 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 there's a significant gap in quality. And that is where I will firmly like admit that I'm not in training every day. I am not a professional coach. I don't see the difference between this stuff. And you saw Tommy get on the field. I, I have my own sources within the technical staff that told me that um, when Tommy, Tommy's first practice was insane. Like he apparently was like just, just um, outside the top, the, like the corner of the 18 and just out of nowhere, just lasered a knuckler with his left foot and like top 90 bend it. And everyone just sort of looked like and it was it, my understanding from how it was explained to me was that it made a different sound when he hit it. And it just did this crazy knuckling thing into the top bin in uh, the far corner. And everyone just sort of turned their head and went like, oh, okay, this guy's different, right? Um, so he's got, he is a good player. Like, he's a legitimately good player, and we've seen it. But I'm saying that, like, that we sort of poo-pooed some of the stuff about Peter replacing players with good players. I think that there is some actuality to that like we, yeah. we probably need to be realistic about the fact that maybe the quality of some of these youngsters isn't enough yeah uh, they're not they're not good enough right to be successful well, and, and, as and, starters and, in this and to this point to this point it doesn't look like uh like Jonis is good enough um at least right now and it doesn't look like volader is good enough at least right now and, and these I, are guys I you think, made transfers for right and, like, and these and, are guys you li- play yep. legitimate transfers yep. for and den bay is good enough for sure he's a starting quality left back but I he's agree. not the best he's not the best left back yeah, in mls i agree he's a starting quality left back in mls yeah and so is a transfer fee plus 600 grand a year appropriate for a 23 year old Maybe good enough to be good in a couple years left back. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't know, know, know if that's good business or not. Um, and, and so my, my point, what I was saying earlier, is that we've talked about forever, like such an important part of this team is the six. And the team doesn't have one right now. And <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but Uri Rossell is on the roster through next year. Yeah. Um, he, when he's his contract well, guaranteed through twenty twenty three. Yeah, so but so that that is a backup situation. player. That is a backup player. I mean, he is yeah. definitely. A, I mean, but he's making like over four hundred k a year, and I don't know if it's that bad. Are is you? It? you, you, you I, have am, to pull. I am. Uh, I don't I am, think. I, don't, I am. I don't think sure it's as that bad. That's the case. I don't think it's quite as bad as that. I think it's in the in the. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, you'll look it up for me right now while we're talking about it, but. What we wanted to get into when we talked about this is how important having a good quality starting six is in this league. And they don't have to make 450 a year to be good. We talked about Jose Martinez last week. Yeah. Jose Martinez is a fantastic defensive midfielder, starting quality defensive midfielder in MLS. Dude makes 250 a year. Okay? Yep. So you don't have to be paying Elia. Okay, are you, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. 475K. Okay. All right. So it's half of what Ely is making. So I guess that was good. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's not worth it. Whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I mean, hey, by the way, Nikola Voinovic was making like four fifty six. Uh yeah. No, no kidding. <laughs> wow. Um. Anyway, that was the the point that I was trying to get to is how important a six is in this system. It's so important in this system, and then. How much, how important it is in MLS to have a quality defensive midfielder. We see it over and over and over again with quality teams. Quality teams have good sixes. 
or have good ways of utilizing the capabilities of their sixes, right? You talk about how much better Elie looks at LAFC where the eights aren't getting separated from him and they're actually acting as central midfielders instead of um, sort of attacking creative players, right? Um, You look or well, really what the issue is with sporting is the eights press so high. That's how they get disconnected. But anyway... um, we see Eli at LAFC. Well, we see can, Alex. We see can Alex. I, can, I, can I add an addendum? It's, it's not just that they press high. It's they're not they're not effective pressers, and they're, and, no. and they're not effective ball winners. Um, no. They so yeah. We'll just leave, they, yeah, no, let's so just all leave of those it there. Things are true. <laughs> all of those things are true. They they run around a lot. Yes, That's they really do. All I can say. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> are they actually turning the ball over in when they do that? No, not no. really. Um, anyway, the the point is when you see and, and that applies and that applies to Voltaire on honestly as well. So you yeah, know. yeah, but but Voltaire, I mean, I don't know the Voltaire's. This is the point that I've talked about over and over again. The Voltaire is a very good soccer player that is being used in ways that are not yep. useful to his talents yep. at all. <laughs> yep. I mean, he's he's doing a functional job because he's a smart soccer player and understands how to do what he's asked and not make terrible mistakes while yeah. he's doing it. But he's not a plus player for this team right now at $800,000 a year well, because he's not being used in a way that actually highlights his talents. Well, it's like I said, with, with, it's, it's similar to what I said with Russell. If he's, if he's your best midfielder, right, like that's not great. I mean, it's just not. I don't think he is anymore. I think Tommy's a better midfielder than he is, but I, I come on I don't sample know. size, Drew. Come on, come on. Come it is on. sample size. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, scouting I, reports. I, I would scouting be, reports will have an impact on this. I sure. would be all for it if uh, if if Tommy had played a little bit more during the last few years. But I mean, his minutes his minutes have been really really sparing. Well, and what I'm worried about is he played 60 after being coming like he's coming out of off season. Yeah. He played 60 on Saturday. Played 80 last night. Who the mm-hmm. hell knows what's going to end up to him? End up happening to him on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I like to have legitimate concerns of what Peter's going to do to this guy who has an injury history. But yeah. anyway, we'll 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 dive into that one when we have to. There's too much to too much to digest tonight to, to get into that. But I do have I do have some concerns about that. No, I, I'm with you on I'm with you on that part of it. But what I'm saying is is like we look at MLS teams. So LAFC. Elie with the right structure around him with Acosta and Cifuentes, right? Um, Austin, they went out and spent a bunch of money on Alex Ring. Did they make him a DP? I can't remember if they made him a DP, but they spent a no, ton no, of money. I don't think so. I think he's just on they spent, that. They, but, they, but they gave him like an Elie-type yeah. contract. Like he's mm-hmm. got a big TAM contract, yeah. right? And it has, and it is the it is the basis for what they are now. Like they've added pieces around it. Right. They got they jettisoned Cecilio Dominguez. They've got a new guy coming in that's going to be a DP. And we see how positive they are as a team with a basis for that. Right. Um, think about how badly Atlanta has gone since Asi Alonso tore his Achilles. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, think about, you know, I mean, Seattle's a little bit different situation, but they they were able they were able to, you know, Schmetzer's such a great coach. He was able to turn Albert Rusnak into a defensive midfielder. Well, right? and still, it's not. It hasn't been great, and and you they do yeah. they do really miss um, Joao uh, Paulo, Paulo. Yeah. And, um, and and then um, and then the kid who got hurt right after that too. I mean, um, 
I don't remember his oh, name. Oh, Vargas. Yeah, yeah. Vargas. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, but but that's the thing, right? Like, we don't. I I'm looking at this right now. I would be surprised if Seattle made a run in the playoffs. I think that they've got too many injuries in the midfield to to be. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm glad they won CCL, and I think that they're a very well run organization. But that's what I'm saying is, is like Seattle has a, has injuries to key players, yeah. and they at least make the playoffs and do right. Something right. Like that we, is the we, difference. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have injuries to key players and battle for the wooden spoon. Yep. Um. But but that's what I'm saying is like if you think about like the teams that are weak at defensive midfield. Okay. Sporting Kansas City. Think yep. about Russell Knauss at DC. Yeah. Right, that's yep. their starting D, D mid, mm-hmm. right? And there was a time when people thought Canals was going to be like a U.S. Men's National Team player. Well, yeah. we obviously know that's not the case. I mean, and it just these teams seem to go like think about like San Jose, Jackson Ewell. We, you and I talked many a times about how we don't think Jackson Ewell's that good of a player. I, I think that like, and you can see it, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, these teams that are at the bottom of these. Um, I looked it up. Who is uh, Chicago's six? Um, it's another guy that I was just like, wow. Yeah, it was just they're most of these teams. They're at the bottom of the table. Their defensive midfielder is not good. So, so if you look at it, you know, you it's it's not even just it's it's really teams that rely on. Uh, on their D mid to be like a, a single pivot, right? That's that's the that's the fairest comparison. And you know, Austin obviously does. They're they're towards the top of the Western Conference. Uh, Alex Ring is a great player um, and um, well worth whatever you know whatever they paid for him and are paying him. Um, uh, in the East, I mean, uh, New York, uh, New York City doesn't necessarily do that. I mean, Philadelphia does, obviously. I mean, they run. Well, a, they, Keaton, they Parks, run a, Keaton Parks is at New York City, and he's a he's a pretty good. They've got. Um, is he is he not uh, injured? So they, have, they have Alf, they have Alfredo Morales as well, right? Right, but they also they have um, they have a guy they just picked up this year, um, whose name is uh, escaping me. Uh, but he's the one that's been starting at the six for them uh, recently. But even them, like like New York City, uh, New York City FC is uh, they're uh, they're a lot more uh, fluid with their uh, with their setups. I mean, they'll they play um, a double pivot a lot. They'll, so. they'll yeah, absolutely, and and that matters. Like when we're talking about these teams, I mean that like Columbus double pivot, you know, Montreal double pivot. Um, you know, New York sometimes plays a double pivot, and they play a different, completely different style. So it's kind of not even um, uh, comparable. Uh, Minnesota often plays a double pivot. You know, Salt Lake. I mean, but, I mean, most so of Philly. these teams. Philly, who is a good team, they have Jose Martinez, and they usually have Jack McGlynn next to him, right? And, but, and and they also play a diamond a lot too, which is you know yeah. a, a little bit of a different thing. But I mean, that's still you know uh, nominally a single pivot type. Um, um, type setup, you know, but, but the point is that, you know, um, there, there are not, it's not like the league is overflowing with like elite single pivot defensive midfielders, you know, global soccer is not overflowing with those players. They are, you know, they're, they're hard to come by. Um, and, um, and you have to try, <laughs> like, I realize they're hard to come by, but you also have to try. And, um, and for years, um, the club has not tried. They haven't been bringing in, uh, that kids, um, to, to try or, or, or developing ones out of their academy for that p- position specifically. And so, um, so that, I mean, that to me is the biggest, um, <laughs> that, that, makes me more like frustrated and upset and pessimistic than maybe any other thing. Like, like if, if, 
if there's not a six signed in this window and definitely not one in the in, in the in the winter window i i mean i just am like i don't see the point you know i mean i well um, i don't know and this is this is a part like we've seen several dp number sixes signed in the last couple of weeks vancouver just yeah. did it yep. and then rsl just is about to sign um uh gustavo cuellar right so they're, they're like we have other teams <laughs> recognizing that they need to do this and this goes into my roster build kind of conversation about this right is that we talk about how the team is constructed where are our options for doing things like this the reality of the pro the situation is sporting can't sign a dp yeah they don't have the ability to do it they could sign the only way they could do it is if they signed a young dp because that would allow them to keep their u22 players um so Again, for those who haven't listened to the podcast regularly when we talk about the roster setup, there is, without me diving into every single roster rule in MLS, in order for them to maintain these three U22 initiative roster spots that they have that are occupied by Ndenbe, Volador, and Shanice, they have to either have their third DP has to be, um, you know, has to be tamable, as we talk about, right? Like, they that, that player's cap charge is not over 1.6125 million dollars or that third dp has to be a young dp so under the age of 23 well obviously gaidekinda is not under the age of 23 his cap charge is apparently right at or just below 1.6125 million dollars so they are allowed to keep three u22 spots for them to buy gaidekinda's charge down so they could sign another dp with tam and they they do have the tam and game to do this next year they would have to sign a young dp in order to maintain it so you're going to sign a young dp defensive midfielder i'm not sure that's the best way to go about utilizing those spots you better be really really sure of your scouting department in order to do that and i'm not really sure of this scouting department so i'm a little i don't know that that's the best way to go but this goes back to rsl sitting in the top four of the western conference with two dp slots open and they can make a move like this and so this sort of speaks to me about building your team coaching the stat coaching the players that you have to a certain level and managing your roster in a way that gives you flexibility as you watch lafc right now who's you know battling with austin for top of the west and they bring in chiellini and bale in the yeah. mid window and then they sign they trade for mendez and now apparently chicho arango is available for trade and they'll get a they'll get a massive windfall in allocation money for him because he's such a good player as we saw last saturday so my concern more than anything is what is the flexibility this team has to do any type of reload next year and that's what I said earlier. I was like, I think that next year is sort of the last hurrah of this current iteration of the club. And Peter better get it right. Or he then you can cut loose with him. Because Polito's out of contract. Kinda's out of contract. i got to look at who else has a 2023. Uh, Remy Voltaire is out of contract. Yeah. Um, you know, Sweat and Roselle are out of contract. There's a number of folks that you can let loose at that point and really start over so so let's let's you know let's like focus just for a little bit on on like center backs and the roster build um because you know there's a lot you know there's a lot swirling around uh that center back there has been for a few years you know we've you know there's been 
uh, just a bunch of guys who have been just brought in and and ran through those those positions um, and you know sometimes kept on the rosters for a couple of seasons without even playing. You know Graham Smith and and um, um, Oh gosh, man! The name thinking is the homegrown Cave Rod. Uh, no, I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking um, the other foreign uh, center back that we had. Uh, I I knew his name, and now it's just escaping me. But anyway, okay. uh, there's there's been a few of them, right? And um, and so those guys were all gone this year. We you know we we come in with uh, with the uh, center backs that we Roberto Punchetz. Thank, thank, right? thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank uh, you. And and there's also that's not even talking about our boy uh, uh, Botan Barat, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just there's a lot there's a lot that's been funneled through, right? And and already, you know, the the, the latest rumor is is uh, is uh, you know an, uh, a center back, an Italian center back, um, which fine, great. The thing is, is that is that Fontas is, is out of contract with no option, and uh, Isimat Marine is out of contract in 2022 with a team option. And uh, and and then we have you know Volder and um, and Ford you know um, and and so so like I'm okay with you know if people don't work if people aren't working like if if if, if we decide that EC is just not it fine don't pick up his option let him go uh, let's bring in uh, some 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 different players and try and get a pairing that works. Um, the, my problem and your problem, I know is that that's not what's happening at the defensive midfield spot. Right. Um, and, and, um, both of those positions are, are in the, the spine of the team. And, you know, we, we keep trying to, you know, find center back pairings that work. We're not finding, we're, we're ignoring that spot. Uh, and it's just as important, if not more so than, than getting the right center back pairing. Yeah. And I, um, what my concern is, is like, while there is room, if you were, if you were to let EC and Fantas go, you let both of them go, you've decided like, Hey, look, this experiment didn't work. And you gain back that 2.2 million in well, it's not really cap space, but allocation money that you use to make them. Yeah, under that's the, the cap, that's that. Right? I I didn't mention that, which is that's a huge part of the puzzle too. Is that those guys make so much freaking money? Right, but but here's my thing, right? You can't you can't go into the season with Courtney Ford and Robert Robbie Volitor as your starting center back pair, right? Can you? Like, I mean, realistically, you can't do that with Cave Rod on the back as the backup and bring in one other, you know cheap center back guy and think that that's a reasonable way to defend. I mean, I guess it can't be much worse than this, but my, my thought is, is like, if you're building a team, you've got to replace them with reasonable center back players. And in fact, in this team, I think they need to have a solid, like, line controlling center back that they have not had since Beasler left. Yeah. Okay. So the, that's my concern with this situation and but the, the, is the, trying that... to figure out how to do it. But, but the secondary part is okay. 2.2 million. Let's, let's say we, we, we free up 2.2 million in allocation money or whatever you want to call it. Cap space, total cap space. Like if we talk about total salary budget of 9.6 million, you freed up 2.2 and it's actually gonna be higher than that. It's gonna be close to 10 million with the, with the accelerators next year. But, you free up a quarter of that with these two players and you replace them for half that price, right? You've still got to re-sign Daniel Shallowy, who's on like 400 grand now. He's going to command a hell of a lot more than that in free agency, right? Yeah. If you're going to keep him. 
and then you got to find a six. It there's not that the 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 the, the freaking you know nest egg is not that significant, even yeah. if you let both of these guys go. So that was the thing that I just want to be like. That's why I'm saying this is the last hurrah next year for this group of of players because unless Robbie Volader levels up significantly next year, you're sort of hoping that Courtney Ford comes back and and is at a a good level and works with Robbie. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket now to be fair, but but at least that's a basket that, you know, right. Um, Yeah. And and it's, and it's, and it's, it can't be worse than the $2.2 million basket you have now. And the, and the thing to remember too, is it's, it's not just those players. Like, like the team is going to need depth players next year because Melia's out of contract. Espinosa's out of contract. uh, uh, Duke is out of contract, but he does have uh, an option. Uh, Felipe Hernandez is out of contract. Hernandez is completely out of contract. So is, so is, uh, so is Shelton. Um, Pulls, pulls, pulls camp is, but he has an option. Uh, Macintosh is, but he has an option. Um, so, you know, uh, there's just, there's, there's a lot going on right now. You know, there's a lot of things to, to consider, um, in terms of, uh, what the roster is going to look like next year. And, and I would, I would just, uh, you know, I would say that there are very few givens on the roster, uh, for next season. I mean, obviously, um, obviously Johnny Russell, that's a given, <laughs> Uh, Remy, right. Vol- Remy Voltaire, that's a given. Uh, obviously, um, uh, uh, Roselle's going to be around. Um, you know, probably all these, uh, all the new foreign signings, the young foreign signings are going to be around. Yeah, uh, they're all, they're all signed through twenty twenty four. Yeah, but all, all of the U twenty two guys. But every but everything else is is up in the air, and so that means not only you know not I mean you you have you have you have both starting positions and um and depth positions that uh that the team is going to be needing to fill uh in the next 6 months. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? Like I, I as I look at it at what financial vehicles are available to level up those positions, it's all below the DP threshold. Significantly yeah. below the DP threshold. Right? Yeah, I don't I, yeah, and, I, I mean, I, I look I I'm fine with our DP situation. Um, you know, it sucks that two of them are injured, but you know, Gotti Kinda is a DP level midfielder. Alan Polito is a DP level uh, center well, forward and Johnny is, yeah. and, and Johnny Russell is too. I mean, you know, fine. Those guys, they they can be RDPs. That's okay. Um, but you know, it, it's it's right. What, but it, I I guess my point is is Polito's thirty two, Johnny's thirty three. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the, you you you. I don't see them being on DP contracts past this contract. Yeah. Right. Oh, I like, totally this agree. Is the, yep. This is the end of it. Um, yep. I don't see us re-signing Alan Polito after next year. No. Right. Like we're going to get one, hopefully at, one good season out of him and, and hopefully it goes well. But there, at, at this no point, at this point, that's him. that, that, that has not been a successful signing. Uh, right. And, and it's unfortunate because um, he's a good player, but you know, I mean, you got to be on the field, man. So my point is like, as we look at what the rebuild or what, how do you reload from this? I think what they're going to end up doing is trying to maintain status quo as well as they can with the current group, get those two guys back and run it back next year. Yeah. The, the, I, I don't, I don't see a scenario. I mean, bar other than the center back position, center back position is going to, going to change and that's going to give them some, some, some movement. I don't know that you, Kyrie Shelton's on 350 grand a year. I don't know that you jettison him. If you can use him as a backup winger, 
I think yeah. 350 a year is fine for Kyrie as a backup winger. If you keep, you've got a Gata signed, you keep those guys. Like, I just, I think that those are fine. Um, what my concern is, is that, you know, how do you, we, the, the team desperately needs a defensive midfielder worth a shit and center backs who can defend. Yeah. That, I mean, that has to be the pri- highest priority. It just has to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not, not, well, and the thing is, okay, so let's talk about free agents because I did think about this a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to spend a million dollars a year on a center back, there are a couple free agents available this year at center back. Cody doesn't want either one of them. Uh, now, they're both old. Uh, yeah. They're old. Yeah, they're both 30. That's the, right? that's the biggest reason. Yeah. Well, I think Aaron Long's 29, but he's got. Oh, he, he, and he's the one I, don't, I, I want least. <laughs> no, he's, he's not a fit for this team at all. No. Alexander Kyan's. Ah, you could, I I would not, I would not, I would not dismiss that on the face of it. And there's no way New York, there's no way that New York is going to re-sign Cayenne's, um, um, who's the left back that got injured, that's a free agent now, um, everyone, uh, Sal Zizo hates him, um, oh, uh, um, um, (laughs) Tinnerholm, Tinnerholm, Anton Tinnerholm, yes, there we go. Um, so uh, so they've got Tinnerholm, they've got uh, Kyans and Sean Johnson, all free agents. They're not going to be able to pay them all what they're worth. Yeah, there's no way. Um, and we're not going to go after Tinnerholm with within Den Bay and sweat behind him. I mean, Darn. it doesn't make sense. It, well, but it doesn't make sense to spend <laughs> no, eight hundred thousand dollars on Anton. Tinnerholm I'm just joking. I'm just but, joking. But um, but but Kyans makes some sense to go after. Yeah. Um, and he is both a really good defender and a really good passer. Yeah. So, like, that's a player that that if we, we go on and on and we talk about, like, not making intra-league acquisitions and using the league mechanisms for good MLS players that can add to the team, that's a guy that could add to this team. Yep, for sure. I agree. I agree. For sure. And I would not be the, the most upset in the world if they offered him a, a big TAM deal for three years, like right. or a two plus three. Right. Yeah. I would be completely fine with that. And I think if you had that plus Ford, Volater, and Rod, I'm good with it. Yeah. Um, and then you focus the rest of your cash on a six. Yep. That sounds good. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just get that done with so that the, 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 the team can focus on the real thing, which is finding a number six. I mean, that's, well, That's they can't the, get it done with until the until the free agency starts. It's going to be December before right, they right, can right. do that. Yeah, no, I I know. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I, they can talk to agents and shit like that. But anyway, no, I mean, um, I, other, I, I I want a six signed this summer. I do. I mean, I, I you know, I would be. I don't. I don't I would think be surprised that they have much. I don't know that they have much space for it. Yeah, me. I know. Like they've got the Busio game, but I think a lot of that got used up to to sign Tommy. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, which and they had to pay a fee for Agata. Yeah, because he wasn't out of contract in in uh, was he in Jerusalem? Yeah, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. Tel Aviv. No, he was in Jerusalem. Anyway, anyway, where and did you go to? Where I did went. You go I, to went I went to Tel Aviv. I think he. Yeah, was in he Jerusalem. was. He he played. Yeah. No, he played for one of those teams in Tel Aviv. I thought. Mm, I, I thought he know. played for Apoel Tel Aviv. No, that's who I went and saw. I th- I thought he played for Apoel Jerusalem. Okay. Anyway, I don't know, whatever. You may be right. Anyway, doesn't matter. This is irrelevant banter for <laughs> anyone listening to this podcast. The reality of the situation is um, there is a limited amount of funds for them to sign a key center back like an Alexander Kyans, uh, number six, and re-sign Daniel Shalaby. I think yeah. we need to come to the grips with the fact that 
I agree with uh, we. I'm starting to come to grips with the fact that maybe Shallowy doesn't resign. Here. I I I I'm pretty much there. Uh, well, yeah, and, he's, and he I played. Think, sorry, I he, think, he played for Hotboil Jer- Jerusalem. So okay, Jerusalem. Yeah. That's what you said. I yeah. said Tel Aviv. You said yeah. Jerusalem. I You're know. right. One of the few times I'm okay. I'm right. All right, all right. Make sure to rub it in. So no, my point is is that um, I, I do have a legitimate like question about what the midfield shape looks like when Gadi Kinda comes back. Because Tommy's obviously a guy you play every day if you can, right? Yeah. So where does he go if Kinda moves it back into his spot? Yeah. Um, I don't know that Tommy Kinda as dual eights is a is a functional midfield. <laughs> oh, and, oh uh, it might be functional. Uh, just uh, <laughs> just on the attacking third, really functional. <laughs> going to be like Toronto beating teams just, five to three. We'll just camp, um, we'll just camp out <laughs> even more than we already do and just send those guys but, in waves. By the way, had you had did you watch Federico Bernadeschi no. in just one game in Toronto? And he's actually played two games. I tried to tell y'all this is the best signing in MLS yeah. in a while, and nobody, everyone's like, everyone's talking about Insigne and Gareth Bale and all that stuff. Like, no, Federico Bernadeschi is insanely good, and he is going to destroy MLS. And so far, he has. Now, granted, we'll we'll get some game film on him, and things will get better. But I, he's he's been great so far. No, what what I'm saying is is that I, I don't think a Tommy um Tommy Kinda Remy Voltaire midfield is really that functional other than being um, you know, trying to create seventy eight chances per game. Yeah. Um I, I, so uh, especially, Tom, Tommy does especially have a, especially not with the back line and and defensive midfielders that we have right now. Right. You know, well I mean, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Voltaire would have to play so, defensive midfield. So in that one position. of the things you know, one of the things that, that I noticed uh, at the Sacramento game is you know Voltaire looked really good, right? I mean, um, I thought that um, he uh, I, I thought that maybe that was one of the better games that I've seen from him playing at the number six, but 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 that's another one of those things that's that's like really telling, right? Because he doesn't generally, in my opinion, look that good playing against uh, MLS caliber um, uh, players at that position. It's just not his. It's just not his position. It's not his his natural position, and um, and he's not, you know, he, he's he's not the droid you're looking for in that uh, in that circumstance, and so. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Tommy gets bumped up to play left wing. Well, that's what I was. That's where I was going. Right? Yeah. Is that you could potentially allow Shallowy to walk and play Tommy at left wing. Um, he has a lot of experience playing there, more as a wide midfielder in a four four two. But still, I mean, the the positional roles are not that different in this system. And he does seem to have a um, instinct to cut in. Yeah. Which I think, you know, is exactly what you need from from the left winger in this system. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a back. It appears that there's a backup plan. Yeah. If if the shallow re-signing doesn't happen. Um, if the shallow re-signing does happen, I mean, I don't know. I, I Maybe maybe they don't sign a six and they just let Voltaire sit back there behind those two guys. I, I mean, I don't know. That, 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 I mean, that... Uh... That lowers the ceiling of the team considerably. I think. I mean, right. you know, we 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 tried that before Elia came. We tried, you know, Sony Mustavar and you know, whoever else back there. And you know, when you don't have a player, oh, wow. yeah, oh wow, Haitian Zabi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I miss I miss Haitian Zabi. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you, you know, there there just needs to be a more dynamic player uh, back there, more dynamic for that position. And uh, and and Voltaire is, is okay, but he's he's not what's what's needed back there. He doesn't. Well, um, he doesn't. And, he, he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, make good. He's not a good enough passer from uh, from deep areas, um, and he's not good enough defensively. So you're kind of stuck in between. You know. What, Here, the, but the, here's the, my the thought on this: that, that needs needed. Being able to rotate high-quality players through, depending on your opposition or what's going on in game states, is actually a good thing. Yeah, you saw what LAFC yeah. did to us, right? Yeah. Like this is the thing: is like I, I think that you know part of us is like we're so used to that we've been like browbeaten and sort of in, <laughs> in, in, in environmentally conditioned to believe that everyone in the starting eleven has to play eighty-five minutes every game. Yeah. Right. Like we've been so conditioned by that that we think that that's the way that this has to be. And like, oh, Voltaire's going to sit on the bench all the time if they do this, or Tommy's going to sit on the bench all the time once Kinda comes back. And the reality of the situation is, no, you now have options. <laughs> you can do different things depending on game states. But this goes to my initial concerns when we talked about Peter. Does he accept the need to adapt? how he's doing these things and nothing about how he outwardly presents himself makes me believe that now granted i don't know the guy very well i don't know him personally i've talked spoken it five words to him in my life okay so i recognize that you know my perspective is based on press conferences and all the outward stuff you see after games but what we have a lot of data on is how he presents his teams and how he uses them in games and then how he responds to anyone who has any question about it and it just leads me to believe that that like i i don't know like what i'm concerned about is that remy voltaire just ends up spending or eric tommy who we just signed who seems to look good all of a sudden spends half the season on the bench because peter found a lineup that looks that works that works for him right yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, and and you know, I, I, <laughs> you know, we've 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 talked about this many many times. But you know, when uh, when you're coming out and, uh, like he did after um, after LAFC, and you're and you're being hypercritical of young players, um, it just like. And like, then after Sacramento, talking shit about guys having cramps, yeah, dude, like oh, just drink yeah. more water, get over the cramp. Sub, what is this, sub, dude? sub, sub. Subs are not a bad thing, right? Subs substituting is a, is a weapon in your arsenal. It's not like he treats it like he treats it like you know it's a admission of defeat or something like that. I mean, give me a freaking break, dude. Just sub, just sub. If you if you if you use your subs, you know, as a developmental tool, maybe. You know, maybe Duke is a better player this year because he was, you know, he was subbed in, you know, uh, thoughtfully and purposefully last year, right? Maybe, maybe uh, Felipe Hernandez is better suited to assume a starting role this year because, well, I mean, obviously last year was different for that dude, but you know, right. you know, you know, you hear what I'm saying, right? I mean, it, it's like, you know, uh, 85th minute subs are useless. They are useless. They don't do anything. And, but this is this has been the issue with Peter forever. He yeah. only trusts certain players. He only trusts his guys, and he has he's so risk averse with his other guys that he doesn't trust that 
this is kind of what we see. It's more like here's your ten minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Eighty fifth, eighty fifth, eighty third, eighty fifth minute. You get your until ninety plus five. That's yeah. what you get. Right. If you get and if you give me a good ten minutes, maybe next week you'll get twelve. Twelve. Exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe That's you'll exactly get to maybe you'll get to play against Leon. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and it's, I mean, we laugh about it and we're being grumpy. I mean, but the, it, it's a pattern. Like, it's a it's a familiar pattern. So you can't act like it doesn't exist. Like I said, I, I do think there's many things that he does well. His yeah. planning, his thought process, he's extremely meticulous. He is extremely detailed in what he's trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish. And he knows when it's not happening, and he is very clear with his players about what they are or are not doing correctly. Yeah. All of those things, and I don't think that his plan is necessarily bad. I just think that he's not as adaptable as I'd like to be. Well, and this to is changing this, conditions. This is something I mentioned today as well. Is you know, um, you know, we're we're critical of you know Shallowy and and Johnny Russell for not finishing chances last night. But you know, you, you know, Russell played the whole game. Um, over the weekend, Shallowy played almost the whole game. Like he was subbed out in like the 85th minute, and you know, like, uh, like, I know Peter Vermes just thinks like if this, if the, if the, if the sports guys, if the you know sports training guys say they're good to go, they're good to go. These players are starting players. You know, you're paying them a starting salary. They should, be, you should be able to put them out for as many games as you know. I, I, but, I, but I don't think that that works that way. Why? Well, I, I, maybe I'm he wrong. He had them in training today, dude. They Maybe I'm wrong. Today. I don't think it works that way because it's not just it's not just your physical uh, exhaustion. It's also sort of mental and emotional. And you know, if 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 those guys, you know, have if if those guys have, if the squad had been rotated a little bit better, you know, over the last week, maybe maybe those guys uh, are finishing some of those shots that they usually finish that they didn't last night. But that's what I was saying. Like he had them in training today. Yeah, I'm... they flew back overnight. And he had them in training today, and I am sh- I'm sure it's some sort of like, it's like punishment a, it's related like a, thing. It's like he's Bear Bryant, yeah, right? It's, like it's like, like a high school coach Monday. from the '80s or something. Yeah, just, yeah. but I mean, yeah. and I, there, I here's the thing: there are many motivational techniques. They all work in different ways. But the reality of the situation is sports psychology is also a part of this. Yeah. And if you don't understand that sports psychology is a part of how you coach in, yeah. in today's game, you are falling behind. Yeah. Period. Like, I'm going to give you a prime example. And I know that I know that the, the UK media, like, do the whole Ted Lasso thing with Jesse Marsh. But that guy looks like, have you watched his press conferences and watched how he communicates about his team? He, he's the, the closest thing, and I said this to Joe Lowry when he was talking about it. I was like, this guy reminds me of Steve Kerr. Like, mm-hmm. he is a different level of understanding how to connect with his players mm-hmm. and also communicate about them in the press in a way that makes them want to fight for him. Yeah. Peter yells at them until they fight for him because <laughs> they're afraid of doing something wrong. Jesse March makes them want to fight for him. There are different kinds of leadership. I've read a lot of books on leadership. I'm in a leadership position at work. There's a lot that I have to deal with with personality management of the team of people that I have. I have a team of 11 that I have to manage. There's a part of it, like, you have to understand the psychology and the different nature of these players and how to motivate them. And, yes, sometimes you have to be direct about what you need, right? Uh But what I feel like with Peter is he's always super direct. 
He just believes that that's the only way to to receive and deliver information. Yeah. And and again, this is an outsider's point of view. I don't know what it's like inside the locker room. I don't know what his ability to sort of manage his delivery based on the personality of the person he's talking to or the generation of the person he's talking to who might have a little bit different like outlook on how you deal with interpersonal relationships. Um, it, all of it, I just, I don't have a whole lot of faith. He feels a little bit Cro-Magnon in his, in his approach personally. You know, I, I, and, and so I have concerns about him. Like I said, it's more about adapting. Is he, is he understanding the psychology that, of how how his response is, um, or how he delivers a press conference, or how he interacts with people in training, is he understanding that it's received by different people in different ways, and not all of them are motivated the same way? And just because they're not motivated the way he thinks they should be, that they doesn't mean they're bad and they yeah. should go away. Yeah, like, I know, don't know about that. Players, you know, every player. I mean, you know, I'm a teacher. Players are in, in, in a lot of respects like students, and you know they all have different buttons to push. And you can you can you know you can be really stern and harsh with one kid, and it you know it it drives them to you know push themselves and do better, or to prove you wrong or whatever. Uh, and you do that to another kid, and you you lose them like forever. Um, and it's it's a fine balance, and you you know you really have to be. And, we, um, and we've seen this with the team where you really, he's lost them forever. You, that's the thing. So you have you have to be a you have to be empathetic, you know. And I'm not I'm not certain that he's the most empathetic person in the world. Um, and and I think that if you look at the you know the history of of the team since he's been the coach, I mean there are you know th- there's a not insignificant number of dudes who just get ethered, like people who just disappear, you know, who who play you know a couple of games and sometimes play pretty well for a couple of games and then they just they're they're gone and i think that those are you know those are people who butt heads with uh with peter uh for one reason or another and yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where there's a fine balance though because you are also a teacher and you recognize that you cannot have your authority questioned right absolutely right so like there's but but the thing is part of that you you like you know, there's authority, but then there's also, you know, so that that respect um, is uh, has to be earned, also, right? It's a two-way street, right? It's a two-way street, and, and, right? and if you if you're not doing the work to to earn the respect, that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you can punish or yell at kids or or whatever. Uh, if they don't respect you, you're not going to advance to your goal, which hopefully, you know, is to is is for them to be successful. Ki- people right for them to reach their p- potential either as a as a soccer player or as uh, as a student and um, you you have to be able to um, you have to be able to not only you know have their respect but to keep it and to keep earning it it's it's the, you have to earn it constantly yeah it, it, right because it can go away in uh, in a flash and for me the next 11 games are going to be really instructive. <laughs> so, no, but I think it I is. Mean, are, are, like, how, how, how soon are we going to see uh, Duke play again? I mean, that's that's a big question right there. That's a big part of it. Um, how are we bringing along some of the youth players that we have on the team um, to there's, gain their there's, experience? There's no reason for them not to play at this point. There's none. There, there isn't, but I'm going to go back to something I said a couple weeks ago, which is that doesn't mean you send out a team yeah, of 11 youth I totally players. agree. They, don't, they, they need, won't learn that way. No, you need to have them interspersed or bringing them in for bringing them in in the 58th minute for a game to bring a change of pace or a different change of philosophy, especially when Eric Tommy obviously is not 90 minutes fit. 
Yeah. So like, there's no reason to run Eric Tommy into the ground. There's the no reason to John, run Johnny Russell into the ground. Exactly. There's none. Let let Cameron Duke play at right wing. Yeah. Let him play over there. Yeah. Um, or put if you think Pierre is better there, and you put Duke at right back, I'm fine with that too. But uh, or Duke plays in the midfield, I, I don't care. But bring in a couple of them. Let a couple of them start. Let Robbie Volater start next on Saturday. Right? There's no reason why Robbie Volater can't start next to EC on Saturday. Okay? Yeah. And there's no reason why you know. Um, there's there's no reason Chinese, why Chinese. Yep. Chinese can't exactly. start. Exactly. On Saturday. Yep. Like, and so put those two guys in. Let's let those two guys get in the game. Otherwise, keep the lineup the same. And then at halftime, you take off Tommy and bring on Hernandez. Yep. Right? Like, do those kinds of things where it, it you've got a thought and a plan in place. Like, Peter so much, like, he's talked about this forever. He plans subs. Like, he knows when he wants to bring subs in before yeah. the game starts. And obviously, certain things change, and he has to make adjustments. Well, listen... Game states don't fucking matter anymore. No. Bring the guys in. Put the plan in place. Use all five of them. Get the guys on the field so that they get experience. And just run that out for a few weeks. Yep. And at the same time, enable guys to be successful. Like, that's what I'm saying is, like, both, both, you know, how he utilizes the team over the next 11 games, as well as whether or not they're bought into what he's doing and wants them to do. Both no, of those are going to be really instructive as to whether or not he's really connected with them going into next season. I will say that that um, I I think that the team has continued to fight. You know, they're they're still fragile and they're still brittle, and you know they uh, they you know they the, they, the center backs. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna push back on you on that one. The cent- the two center backs they consistently in the second half of games totally shit the bed. Like this happens over and over again. We've seen well, it too many I, times. So they they continue to play hard, right? That's 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 what I would say. They're not mailing it in, but they're not playing great. That's for sure. And and yeah. the whole team and the whole team, center backs included, um, uh, is soft. The only person who's not soft is Courtney Ford, and he's suspended. Soft. Well, and Roger Espinosa. Roger Espinosa oh, right, is right, not right. soft. We would never. Call, <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I would never call Roger soft. Uh, and John, hey, uh, Johnny, John, Johnny's not soft either. I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'll, I'll put that to but everybody else. I mean, they're they're soft, man. They're they 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 don't tackle. They don't. You know, we we constantly get outworked. And you could you know, I mean, you could see Sacramento growing into that, and you could see, it, especially in the second half, they came out and they started off the half with like you know two or three hard fouls. And that sends a message, you know, and they they seized momentum in that moment. Also, and their center backs were much more organized than ours were. I mean, it's just there's a variety yeah. of things yep. That, yep. about it. Just like you, we to watch a mid-table USL team <laughs> like look more defensively organized than us was re- like consistently yeah. more defensively organized was really frustrating to see. Yeah. Anyway, we, I, I mean, I don't want to go over it. I, it is. No, we, what, we're going to have lots of opportunity to talk about it. So we, uh, yeah. Um, I, again, like as the, the main question is, okay, where do we go from here? What does the next 11 games look like? What do we hope for? Right. We hope for one, a, a clear defined plan for what you're trying to accomplish. And, Hopefully, it's something different than the the plan that has provided literally nothing offensively until this point. Um, next is to see meaningful minutes given to players 
who need minutes to improve. Um, so we're talking about mostly young players, right? But um, putting them in places where they can be successful next to veterans that can help them. And, you know, I, I got to believe, I, I would love, honestly love, to talk to Peter Vermees about what his conversation with Felipe Hernandez was like after the first half of football that um, Eric Tommy played. Yeah. I would love to know what that film session was like. Because if you watched his movement, if you watched his understanding of positioning, if you watched everything about him, I mean, to Peter's, to Peter's point, he's a soccer player. He understands where to go. It's like yeah. that's what elite-level soccer players do. He was doing a ton of things that Felipe does not do. And I think if Felipe could add those kinds of things to his game, could really improve his career projection, right? And these are not, these are not like technical skill things. These are like reading the game and knowing where to place yourself things that, that Tommy is just at a level above Felipe and obviously Duke. Duke is a bit of a raw player still. But Felipe is a fairly consistent player that could add some some things to the locker. And I'm like, if I'm Peter, I'm like, or Carrie or Z or whoever, I'm showing him the full tape of that first half and watch showing him Tommy's movement because it was significantly uh, improved over anything we'd seen all year. So those are the things I'm hoping for. I don't know if I'll see them. We'll probably trot out the same, you know, old ass lineup we did against Sacramento. I mean, it was fairly predictable. I said to Mike Coon when the lineup came out, I was like, when I saw the saw the lineup, it was Ben Sweat. It was freaking. It was it was the Raj. most. It was the most Peter Vermes lineup ever. Zussi, I mean, it was just like it was it was a bunch yeah. of old guys yeah. that, that that he trusts to be to not make mistakes, and I'm like. I'm like, have you seen Ben Sweat play this year? <laughs> like, what the wow. world? He was so bad last night. He Just, was really in, in, bad. The, in the first half, I mean, uh, that is that is shocking. one of the uh, that, it was shocking. It was, it was shocking. That was like uh, Igor Juliao levels of shocking. It was bad. Igor Juliao got like literally jettisoned after he did that. <laughs> yeah, like well, sent. Like, like we always say, the the uh, the veterans are are afforded uh, mistakes that the young guys just are not, um, which is oh, uh, man. a whole other thing. Anyway, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know from a sports science perspective if you can trot out the same lineup. There's, I don't think yeah, that I don't realistically think they can. can happen. But um, anyway. But if, we'll anybody, if anybody would try it, he would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeesh. <laughs> My, I, 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 have low, I have low optimism uh, that you're wrong, right? Like, I'm, yeah. mm, I, I, I <sighs> okay, well, we'll have to see. I, 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 again, I don't want this, like, it's one of those things where I feel bad. Like every time we do this, we spend an hour and a half bitching about uh-huh. the team and, and how they do things. But the reality of the situation is when you're five, five and 13, and you just got knocked out of the U S open cup by a freaking USL team in penalties. Cause you couldn't score one fucking goal against them. Yeah. It, I, there's not much positive to go after here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's grim. I'm telling you it's, that's the, I mean, it's the truth. It is. And, yeah. and it's going to be a rough rest of the season, but you know, uh, we, are, we, uh, 
us sporting Kansas City fans, we have one another. I just need <laughs> to do it like I did for the Royals game yesterday, where I pay like literally zero attention except when Shohei Otani came to the play. I I can't I mean, do that. that. <laughs> I, I I can't do that. I I pay way too much attention, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna as well, but I yeah, I'm I'm trying to find distractions on game day now. Let's put it at that least way. The, at least the weather will be. Um, uh, not it looks like it's gonna be nice. Angles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's gonna be nice. Uh, Austin's and gonna Austin, be like, wait, no water Austin's, break. Austin's a fun game to a fun team to watch too, um, and so um, there's lots of you know interesting players uh, to look forward with them. They play, like they, I said, they it's, similar, like Angel, yeah, it's like when the angels it's like when the angels are in town to play the Royals. You're yeah. looking at Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Yeah. You're not paying attention to any of the Royals. They they play uh, a, they play a similar style, uh, but it's much less rigid. They score a lot more goals, and um, and uh, you know they're 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 fluid and uh, they are good at attacking uh much there's something than to be said year. for what josh wolf has done there man. yeah absolutely man. like i think a lot and there were people calling for his job last year that was ridiculous like, nah, absolutely that, asinine dude i mean to you know that that's and that's one thing about <laughs> that's one thing about peter that i really appreciate is like like sporting kansas city has an identical an identifiable like style and 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 you i think i think good soccer teams have that and need that i think that's important uh, i think it can be a little too dogmatic in in skc's uh, um case but uh the thing about josh wolf last year and how i knew he he uh he was going to be successful is because you knew how this team was going to play right they might not have been successful at playing that way all the time but that's how they were going to play and um um you know the same thing applies to to red bulls and um you know they you know they you're seeing it it more and more across most teams right like Pablo Mastoreni has a very clear style for RSL. Yeah. Vanny Sartini has a very clear style for Vancouver. And while yeah. they're not as good, you know, they, 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 I think they punch above their weight in a lot of places. Yeah. And if they, with, with better players coming in, like they've got a DP number six coming in, like, I think that they will improve. Uh, I, so I think that you're seeing more of this. Um, I'll be interested to see in Houston if Paolo Nagamura can get that. T- they desperately needed a winger. It looks like they're about to sign one. So I, I, I'll be interested to see if more teams get that way, but you're seeing more of this. Um, Atlanta still hasn't gotten it since Tata left. They they still don't have it. I thought Gonzalo Pinedo would have been a great hire for them, and I just think that there's a disconnect between the front office and the coach. Um, but I, I well, and they, they they've had they've had injury issues as bad as ours. I mean, well, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like been a disaster. That was the thing I was going to ask you before we end the podcast. Like, just your general thoughts. This has been obviously not a great year, and it has. There have been a lot of dominoes that have fallen related to injuries, especially in the first ten games. It wasn't just the two DPS. There was a yeah. variety of injuries that the team yep. went through. Um, and there still the is. I mean, Melia is yeah. out. You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. I don't know well, I really but I do too. But but Melia stopping penalties. That's like, the thing, right? Melia and penalties is different. You know, he's a cheat code in penalties. But yeah. do you keep him on the roster and to and watch him decompose? Otherwise, just because no. he can stop penalties, I don't think no. you do. I don't think um, so either. Yeah, there was a there was a difference between pulse camp sales on penalties and Melia mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but what I was gonna say is like I think that um, I was gonna ask you this because you dealt with this last year as a Liverpool fan. You know, you watched them in, uh, you know, not this past season, but the previous season. You know, Virgil van Dijk goes down. They had, they had, they barely could start a back line for half yeah. the season. Yeah. Right. 
and you saw what it did to them, right? Like they yeah. didn't, they had significant injury problems and it, and it really just cratered their ability to be competitive. Do you think it's more of that kind of situation with sporting or do you think it's more like there's something deeper and more structural here? No, I, I think there, um, you know, I think there are serious structural problems, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I just, you know, um, but, but a lot of people thought that of Liverpool. Yeah. That and, and, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, is that, um, you know, there's not, there, there, like I said, there's a, there's a hole in the, in the academy system. There's not, uh, there's not a lot of, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids, uh, who, who are even like in the, maybe in the conversation. Um, well, we should have signed Luis so, Diaz, obviously. I mean, all right. But I mean, you know, so, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think that there a lot of things went wrong this year. Uh, like a perfect storm of things went wrong this year. Um, but I think that, that it underlines some 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 problems with the way uh, that the club is run. And, you know, um, and, and with Peter Burmese, frankly. You know, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, probably um, um, he shouldn't have both jobs, right? I mean, I know he's, he's ceded some um, control to, to Bliss, um, but... Uh, I, but the, that, here's, that here's hasn't the thing worked. about that. So some, so I don't know if Mike Coon brought this up or someone else brought this up. But Brian Bliss was in Columbus and Chicago prior to this, and not and when they were neither, good. <laughs> and neither, yeah, neither in neither yeah. circumstance was he very successful in yeah. those positions. I don't, I don't get so it. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. But as like when when the hire happened i was like whoa really we're going to give up scouting and and yeah. um and um recruiting to this guy and when he's been so like mediocre to poor at it yeah. in the past and um yeah i i mean i have a legitimate question is like where is club leadership on this and this is a, this is an honest question because i think people are wondering like is peter kind of writing his own checks at this point mm-hmm. because because the club is more concerned on the commercial and branding side of things than they are necessarily on the technical side of things. So, like, Jake Reed. Jake Reed's not a technical right. soccer leader, right? He's leading a business. He's trying to manage a business for Cliff and Mike Illig. He is not trying to manage a technical relationship with the soccer staff. Yeah. And... And and that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with that. This is a bit, you know, these these expansion teams go for three hundred fifty, four hundred million dollars, right? Yeah. Like, I understand like the value of this club and the value of its assets and all that stuff. Like you have to manage it like a business. So you need a business leader to help you do that. But in a lot of cases, in most teams, the president of the club is involved in making decisions around technical staffing. And it doesn't feel like that's the case with Jake. It feels like that's more of an ownership discussion. Like Peter's got a direct line mm-hmm. to Mike and Cliff when mm-hmm. it comes to that. Um, and so I'm just not really sure. And this has been a thing for sporting for a little while. I'm not really sure what the power structure is. Yeah. Right. It's very like, opaque, isn't it? Like you don't. Yeah. Really, you're not really sure like who's doing what and yeah, uh, where the buck stops, and and so it's just it's just easy to assume that Peter's responsible for everything when it comes down to it. Um, well, and I think he is. Right. I think on the soccer <laughs> right. side, he is. Right. When it comes to the soccer part of the club, I right. think he is that responsible. And, well, that, and that's make, that, that makes that makes this season like it's so hard to hold like 
people accountable. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like I mean, you you don't want to fire Peter Vermes, right? But I mean, I mean, it has been so bad this season. Like, it, there's got to be something done, right? I mean, it kind of feels like that. I'm not. So, and, and so, so, I so work like, in corporate you, world. If yeah. You get so rid I of this. Go ahead. I mean, Sorry. but here's the thing. I work in corporate world, right? And if you spend 12 months sucking ass at your job, we yeah. put you on a PIP. You go on a performance improvement plan. Yeah. And there are very specific requirements that you need to meet. Otherwise, you are going to lose your job. That's what happens, yeah. right? That's how it happens in every other business in the world, right? And so this is where I will very, 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 in a, in a, in a very small manner, agree with the Redditors about firing Vermees. Like, everyone's coach just got fired, right? Like, everyone's last coach got fired, right? That's that's kind of the manner of, of what they're discussing. And there needs to be consequences to negative performance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If, if negative performance is viewed as, oh, it's an aberration, keep going, how long are you going to do that, right? Yeah. So, um, in my opinion personal opinion i do not believe that peter deserves to be let go i mean i think there is a there is a scenario in which he completely loses the locker room and they eat shit for the next two months yeah where that could potentially get to that place i would be surprised if that would happen but i i you know there that scenario is possible but there is a scenario where if we're having the same conversation in may of next year that it's time to start talking about it and ripping the bandaid off. It yeah. can't be an ev- it can't be indefinite that oh, you know, yeah, we're going to build the statue to Peter Vermees at some point. I understand that. But every every single coach, every single player eventually reaches the end of their tenure. Yep. That's it's, true. It's it's how it works. I don't think it's now, but if it doesn't improve you know, four or five months into next season, then you have to make a tough decision. And the one thing I will say about Cliff Illig, the man's run a multi-billion dollar business for 20 years. I don't think he has a, or 20 years since the 80s. um, I don't think he has a problem making a tough decision in that regard. The, the 80s were like 40 years ago, just so you know. Yeah, I know. That's why I said. I said 20, and then I was like, no, it's not 20. It was since the 80s. <laughs> Trust me. Dude, I'm, I'm about to turn 43. I'm, uh, I'm about to turn 43. I know how far along ago the 80s were. <laughs> I was before. I was born before they existed. Um, so anyway, I, I'm... That, that, I guess that's where I'm at on this. I, I don't think that there's necessarily a need to make a change. I, I hope that I see um, an adaptation. That's yeah. So, so the thing is, is you know, as we talked about, there's so many, there's so many players up for, um, you know, either their contracts are expiring or you know they have options, and so um, it's, you know, uh, on the one hand, you can look at it positively. It's a, it's really a chance for for Vermes to, you know, bring in a, a crop of players. Um, that you know that can play the way that he wants the game to be played. You know, on the other hand, you can look at it like you know, I mean, you're 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 entrusting um, the, the man with uh, with you know what could end up being a significant rebuild uh, after a season that you know was a, a, a dumpster fire. And so, but that's my thing is know? I don't think that this season's gonna next season's a rebuild. They the, the all three DP slots are taken. It's okay. not I really mean, a rebuild. 
All right. I, mean, I think that that, the, that that could be the case. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how we would, you know, how we, we I would think you give him rebuild. his la- I um, think you give him his last chance to make this shit work. Yeah. And if he doesn't and he doesn't also have some potential in the in the future, like you're going to know by May or June if he's got this worked out. Yeah. I, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And if he doesn't, then that's when we have to start having tough conversations. And, and that's OK. I mean, it, like I said, it, it, it's he, we're going to build a statue to this guy at some point. The guy has won an MLS Cup as a player and a coach here. Like, he is as synonymous with this team as literally any other human being is. Like, I don't know who else you can consider to be more of the brand of this club than him. Yep. And so, and I have all the respect in the world for the guy. Um, Well, let's hope, uh, let's hope, uh, let's hope Willie Agata, you know, (laughs) (laughs) starts scoring goals and buckets. I, love I think him, Willie got it. I, I, he's um, he's a fun he's a fun player, but he's rough. <laughs> he, is a, he is a little rough. Um, uh, let's I let's hope uh, a six, <laughs> an elite six falls Jesus. out of the sky. Please God, please God, get us a defensive <laughs> midfielder for the love uh, of God. Um, it's not happening this window. I'm telling you right now, it's not happening. We're gonna have to wait for the winter. But all right, um, we'll see what happens. I yeah. I don't know. Okay, we went another an hour and forty seven minutes, and we didn't even talk about actually anything that happened in these matches, other than like parenthetical references. So that should tell you about how how much um, uh, you know negative emotions we needed to release um, tonight. Um, it's really just sports therapy, is all it is. Yeah, it's not yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, good times, you know. I hope you all enjoy um, listening to us bitch about this club. Because that's literally all we do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but when they do something that's worth cheering about, we'll cheer. You know, we did, and we did. Yeah, they, we remember did. when they were, remember when they actually like won two games? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that seems like forever ago. It's only it like a month ago. All right, um, all right. Home game this weekend. Have fun. Yeah, you too. It's gonna be. Are you going? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. You know, sometimes you've got big time shit to do, and you know, go to games. So my son was telling me he wanted to, you know, take one of his friends to a few games, and I was like, "Are you buying your own tickets? Because I go to every (laughs) game, man. I don't know what I don't know what you're. It's not like you know, it's not tickets for the family. It's tickets for me, you know. And then (laughs) then my wife she wants to go. When you start paying for those tickets, you can start taking. No kidding. No kidding. I said, I said, you guys need. I said, you know, you got. You don't want to sit where we sit. You want to go sit in the cauldron or someplace fun. You should do that. So I don't know. We'll they're see. they're actually the cauldron tickets on SeatGeek are right at regular cauldron prices. So Perfect. if he wants to do that, he can definitely yeah. do it. All right. Cool. All right. All right. On that note, I'm Drew. He's Cody. All right. We'll talk to y'all soon. <laughs>